Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. I'm not trying to get paid. I'm trying to pay people. <laughs> my name is Damn Thomas, right. and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Dude, good, good. Um, I am drinking some green tea. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I was expecting like a bomber or something. You know, I actually have a really good beer in the fridge that yeah. I think I'm going to save for uh, next week. Um, I, I need to detox a little bit, and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to calm down on the alcohol. I, I think that uh, I, I've like reached a, a, a peak, and I need to maybe uh, slow it down. Where if <laughs> peak if, alcoholism, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe something <laughs> like that. Like if if the only drink i had during the week was the beer on the show that that would probably be that's far from the case so yeah. i'm gonna yeah slow it down a little bit what are you drinking dude i am drinking some lapsang suchong tea and i don't know if you've ever heard of this but it literally smells like smoked salmon really yeah it's like the smokiest tea you'll ever have now it doesn't taste super i mean it, you get a little bit of the smokiness in the taste, but the smell is far stronger than the taste. So it was funny because I got uh, Chase got me. Well, Chase, ha- he told me to go get some at this tea shop in Portland. But uh, first, he had me try this Lapsang Suchong liquor. Mm. It was like a, it was like a whiskey brewed with this tea. and It was like super smoky. It was really weird. Uh, and then so I got some of this tea for Anna and she takes like a smell of it and she's like, you would get this tea. This is like the whiskey of teas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like the scotch of teas. But I really like it, actually. And um, I just put milk and sugar in it, like just like a chai or just like an Irish breakfast. And How do you spell It's really that? good. It, or is it just it's, like three It's symbols. a Chinese word. Well, okay, in Chinese, they use a different word, but it's still a Chinese word, I believe. It's L-A-P-S-O-N-G, I think. And then it's like S-O-U-C-H-O-N-G. So, like, I think Chase pronounced it Lapsang Sushang, but then I looked it up on YouTube and, like, the dude who was pronouncing it correctly, so I think it's, like, Lapsang <laughs> Sushang. So, I'm just saying, I'm gonna, I went into the T-Bana yesterday, and I was like, do you guys have any Lapsang Sushang? And they're like, what's, what's, what's that? That's not a nope, mainstream not. tea. We only have mainstream <laughs> teas here. <laughs> they had Pu'er, which is also, like, just as ancient and kind of hipstery, but they didn't have any of this stuff. So I forgot it was like a better tea shop in my town. So I'm going to go check and see if they have it there. Do the guys selling the tea have like huge beards? Uh, well, I mean, T-Von is like a mall tea store. Oh, so yeah. It was, like two, it was like two high school girls. You know, like barely. I don't think they knew much. They about didn't even like read the manual. They have like no idea what's in the <laughs> store. They're like, they I don't know. We, we have yeah. to do our homework. Just they knew enough about what they've been trained on. That was it. Yeah. But no, the people at Gong Fu were like suitably knowledgeable enough and like suitably intimidating enough when you go in there. And you're just like. I just want some black tea. Like, what kind of black tea? From what region? Like, uh, mom? Do you even know what temperature to steep this at? Come on. <laughs> Twirls mustache. Oh, man. So, we had uh, Clayton Morris on the show. Like, what, what was it? Four weeks ago? Something like that. Four weeks ago. And uh, he talked about this book called The Millionaire Real Estate. The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Right? Right. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yep. By uh, Gary Keller, among others. And I started reading it because I want to actually learn how to do this. And um, I haven't gotten super far, but I'm kind of like in the intro chapters. And there was this section about kind of the reasons people don't invest. And one of them really stuck out to me. 
Yeah, or the, mm. or just like reasons people don't start investing at all. Okay. And uh, one of them kind of stuck out to me because you know I've had conversations with people in the past about not needing more money than you already have. People will be like, "Oh, well, so I'm." Happy, is that the reason though? Like, I I just I have enough. I don't need any more money. That's one of the reasons. Mm. So. In the book, he breaks down the reasons people don't get started with real estate investing or investing in general, and he calls them like the myth understandings. Like so, like they're myths and myth understandings. He's clever. He's very clever. Uh, <laughs> so he breaks them down into like the ones that are about the way you look at yourself as an investor, and then the ones that are about investing in general. Hmm. And so there's eight of them. Uh, there's like one. It's like I don't need to be an investor because my job will take care of my wealth. Uh, it doesn't matter if I need or want more money. I can't do it. Like I personally don't have the ability to do it. And then there's the ones that are like less about you investing is complicated or the best investments require knowledge. That's like privileged knowledge. Uh, investing is risky. I'm going to lose money. Uh, su- successful investors can time the market. and I can't. And then like all the good investments are taken. So like all these kind of barriers people throw up. The one that really stuck out to me was like a, the one that people view about themselves is I don't need to be financially wealthy because I'm happy with what I have now. Mm. And I, I know people who have this, this view. It's like, I'm already making enough to cover what makes me happy. Why would I want to make any more you, money? You know people, and, and you also were like this, slash kind yeah. of artist. Oh, I was totally like this. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm making enough to be happy. Who cares if I make more? You know. So I'll just do this kind of passive investing thing. And in the book, he kind of talks about like, uh, in the past, it was like the modest, thrifty person who saved money for a rainy day, and it's kind of shifted to the, like, this modest, modest investor mindset where people just like, put a little bit of money into an, a mutual fund every month. And I mean, like we've broken down the numbers where if you put enough into a mutual fund, you'll probably be fine. Mm. Uh, but he does like he he kind of points at like mutual fund, like passive investing in the mutual fund is likely to build you like a nest egg that will take care of your basic expenses in life, but it's not going to build like real financial wealth that you can do stuff with. Mm. And I just kind of, you know, because like if you because it doesn't replace your income, is that the well, it might replace your income, but maybe it replaces your income just so that you can cover your expenses in retirement. Mm. Like, you know, if you build a nest egg that pays you 40,000 a year, that there's not a whole lot. Of I guess his there. point is that it, it dwindles down, right? Yeah, where, it dwindles down. he's about building the income that stays and grows. He, yeah, he's about building an investment. So he's got like this, this graphs in here where it's like, you know, just a job is like flat line, modest investing is like linear growth until you start drawing from it. But true investing is where the investments start to exponentially create wealth in themselves. And, and you know, he's using it to lead into real estate investing. Um, but I really started thinking about this mindset of like, instead of thinking about the minimum of what I need it might be better to think about the maximum of what's possible. And uh, I, I thought about this in terms of insurance. So like you buy insurance because you can't predict whether or not like you're going to get into a car crash tomorrow or something, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know if that's going to happen to you. Nobody knows that. Now it's likely that most people are not going to get into a car crash, but every individual one of them can't say for sure it won't happen to me if you're driving. So that's what insurance is about, right? We all pay a little bit, and then the ones who end up needing it can get a good big amount because they paid into the system. So, I mean, we're kind of all socialists in that way, aren't we? Right, but okay, so fine. So I started thinking about like, okay, replace all these individual people with the individual units of time in your life. 
right? Mm-hmm. Right now, you don't need much. I need $1,500 a month to cover my expenses, and I'm happy that way, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't know at what point, like what period of time down the line, you may need more mm-hmm. for either negative or positive reasons. You know, negative reasons, maybe you get hurt, you got to pay for something that you, it, the insurance won't cost. Or maybe you end up needing to take care of a family member. Maybe your parent needs help in the future. Or maybe you have a kid and you have to you know, cover their expenses and you weren't planning for that. You might need money or for positive reasons too. Maybe you do have a kid and like your kid ends up being really gifted. You want to be able to give them the opportunity to go to like some more expensive school that's specialized or something. Or like there's a really big community project you want to help out with in your neighborhood. You don't know what you're going to want in the future. Or like just an even simpler example. I just started a sport this year. Um, and like before I was like, oh, I just go to the gym every month. That's pretty cheap. And now it's like, oh, well, now there's a prospect that if you get good enough, you could travel to competitions. You know, it costs more. But if it makes you happy, then you want to start building stuff to be able to react to the things that come up in the future. So it's like at each individual level, you know, piece of time you have. So you're basically you building more, slack into your setup. Right. You're building slack. And he, that's one of the things he kind of makes very clear in the book that uh financial wealth building is not something that you can do in reaction mode it's really hard to like oh my gosh i need a bunch of money and then just get it like if it's a small amount of money sure you can do that you can get a loan or whatever but if it's a big amount of money it's really hard to get that money in reaction mode so that's why it's important to start thinking about like how can i start building more wealth now so i have something to utilize when i may need or want more in the future so uh i i'm totally on board and you know, I think we both maybe subscribe to this thought a little bit, and I think it hamstrings us. Um, Thomas, aren't you being greedy? Like, is, isn't yeah. there, like, where, where is this line of greed? And then, you know, I'm making a good living, and I jump to make more money, you know, or I start selling a course that's like $1,000 or something. Well, aren't I now an asshole douchebag? Yeah, this is, so this is the thing I kind of struggle with. It's like people, I don't know. People who make less money can often see people who make make more money as like focusing only on money. Mm. But I don't see I don't see making a lot of money as an intrinsic indication that you only care about money. Because I don't care about money, I care about what I can do with money. You know? I care about the freedom and the flexibility it yeah. provides me. Like the fact that I can go and uh I don't know, travel or something. Yeah, exactly. You it, know? It's not about like the, you know, how you lay in a pile of money like Mr. Moneybags. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was talking with some friends uh, that are from college and like they're starting this real estate investing company and they want to build this entrepreneur's house, you know, in our city. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, if I had a lot of money, it'd be really cool to be able to like be an investor in that kind of like support my community and everything. I don't yet. I'm, I'm very young. So I think it would be likely that I wouldn't have that money now, but it'd be cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's like these kind of opportunities come up and it's not like, oh, I want to swim in a vault of gold pieces like Scrooge McDuck. I just want to be able to, to be a part of things that come up like that, you know, or travel or whatever. And yeah, there's, I read this article recently. It was about um, people who are like famous on YouTube, but don't make enough money. So they have to have like part-time jobs. And it's kind of like, there's like this disconnect between fame on the internet and actual income. And a lot of people struggle with that. But one of the things the article talked about is like, it's, it's not cool on YouTube to make a lot of money. Like really? the cool thing on YouTube is to kind of like be like, yeah, I'm one of you guys. I'm like struggling with money or like, oh, you know, I bought this thing and... or like, it, yeah, or yeah, it's like, 
with rap music, it's like, dude, I bought a Lambo yesterday, whatever. Uh, but with YouTube, it's the exact opposite. When people have like a big purchase, they're like, yeah, I just, I decided to splurge. I'm like broke now, you know, and there's like this stigma against making money. And what I struggle with this with Lowile. It's like, oh, I'm already making enough money. Why would I sell a course? Well, I'm already making, you know, enough to live off of. I know. And I, I remember, I know I've yelled at you. I think Matt has as well. And, <laughs> but, so I'm curious what changed your mind? Because it's, uh, you know. It was just this this realization that it's like how much money I make should not be dependent on how much I'm currently making or how much I need. It should be based on what I create of value, how much value that's worth. And if I make unlimited money, it doesn't matter, you know? Mm. And it's great. If you make, if you make more money, there's more you can do with it and you can do good things. You can do philanthropic things with it. You can do non-selfish things, but there is nothing wrong with making more than you need. I think a lot of people like think they can't they can't get pat they can't make the mental leap past that like I will be an asshole if I make too much money because I feel I feel like a lot of money is associated with like douchebag CEOs of huge companies that get bailed out by the government or whatever. I mean, the, America is a culture of money, right? Yeah, excess. Yeah, and I think like there's this desire to want to like distance yourself from that to live simply and everything, and you can still live simply, but you don't have to make no money you know you don't have to be like this ascetic who's cool because you eschew making more than twenty thousand dollars a year or whatever so what i mean uh, we were we started this conversation it was like in text like like hours ago before we started recording and, and what really struck me was because you you were kind of struggling with this and then one day you were like you know what fine i'm gonna monetize my youtube videos you clicked the checkbox yeah, and and you did it right, and that was like you had you done the effort, and then you just monetize that effort. So it was it was right. easy, but I think a lot of people are in say like a job, and they're complacent, complacent, right? Like they're just kind of it's they're being paid enough, it's good. Um, they they could probably do better. Like like how do you kind of reconcile that situation? So with a job, one thing he, he takes pains to distinguish is that your job is one thing and financial wealth building is something else in the book. So, I mean, you may want to make more money with your job. You may not. I think there are other reasons to do better in your job, to get promoted or whatever. Um, but I think this mindset is something he's trying to root out because it's preventing people from investing or it's preventing people from taking steps to make more money in other areas or to create wealth in their life. And yeah, I think it, regardless of what your job is, I think you just have to get past this mindset of like, I only need this much and there's no more reason. There's like, I don't need any more. So there's no reason to, to, to try to get more. Well, okay. So, Cause I think one of the, the items on your list, you're like, um, I don't need to be an investor. The job will take care of my wealth. Right. And I mean, yeah. it does essentially, right. Every month. It does. And then paid. now. So, but so like I said, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Hmm. You could lose your job or you could end up needing more and then you're in reactionary mode. So, I, mean, I completely, uh, look, I, I'm completely on board with that. I was maybe like trying to see what, what your thoughts were, what his were, because for me, like the whole purpose of Listen My Matters and creating it for me was I went through this Lehman Brothers thing. I I watched like all my friends, like literally all of them lose their jobs in that were in the company. And I was like, wow, like it's actually really fragile. 
I thought it was in this huge multi-billion dollar business that could never fail, but wait, it can. Dude, the same thing happened to my parents. Like companies went over, my dad lost his job because the company goes like goes under and growing up like I went to college with this insane desire to build resiliency into my skill set so that I could never get screwed over by a company firing me, you know, for whatever reason. I'd be like, I will be insanely hireable no matter what happens because, you know, I never want to get screwed over like that. And you can apply that same mindset to your money. It's like, I'm going to have investments that will, that will create wealth for me, regardless of what my job does. You know, if my boss fires me for whatever reason, then who cares? That's the mindset I'm trying to build. You know, I, I think it's like, um, I, I forget the word for it, where it's like, if we went and we were like, go put all of your money into Apple stock, or we were like, put all of your money into X, people would like ridicule us off the internet <laughs> and they would like firebomb our houses or something, right? They're like, you're, you're killing children and, but the, the same people will put, you know, so it's like diversify your investments, stupid, right? But they're going to put all of their income eggs in one basket, right? Yeah. With one skill. I'm deathly afraid of that personally. Yeah. Because there might be yeah, a I mean, day. You guys have been on me forever about that, you know, like most of my income comes from one source. Or, you know, a couple sources now, and you're just like, do you know what's going to happen with those tomorrow? You Dude, can't just sit there and rely on it. You know, I, uh, we make uh, a most or a, a lion's share of our money from people signing up for Betterment. And I, we haven't created anything about Betterment in like a year, basically. Right? Yeah. And it's all just like stuff we've created in the past, and it was kind of just like chugging along. I totally took it for granted. And, I, you know, I was like the king, right? Um, and it, it wasn't that much money. And then it, all of a sudden, it just kind of started to slow down really quickly. And they had a reporting issue, and then it just wasn't coming in. Yeah. And I was just like, shit. Yeah. But, but well, you know, uh, I was complacent, so it had to happen to me first. You know? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with, I, I have a friend who does like a travel website. And he was making a full-time income through like credit card referrals. Is this Travis? And- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, go go on, go on. And uh, then they just like canceled the program, and like I think it was pretty shortly after I met him, we had a conversation about it. It's like, yeah, right now it's like my full time income has basically just been deleted because of this, and he had to like boom reaction mode. He had to find a way to replace the income with something else. And I mean, fortunately for him, he did. But that can happen at any moment, regardless of whether you're in a job or whether you have an income source in a business. So. Yeah, I mean, I I think the big the big thing I want to challenge is like the you already make enough money. Why would you want more mindset? Mm. And it's like because I'm building resiliency because I may need more want more in the future. It's not because I want to be a baller and buy a Lambo right now, but so, it's because I want freedom and I want. I agree, and you know, you know I, want, I want to dig like deeper because I'll tell you what I could totally go. And we've probably done it 50 times already on like the tangent of like diversify your income and start a business or blah, blah, blah. And I think like everyone kind of knows how we feel about that. Um, but I want to like, can we maybe just like debunk the, this like list? Because I think it's a pretty 
awesome list. Oh, you mean the myth understandings list? Yeah. The eight things that I told you about? Yeah, I mean, like, dude, uh, invest... I mean, well, I mean, we don't have to go into all of them. Like, investing is complicated. I think if you've been listening to the show enough. Yeah, so... And I mean, that's, that's kind of like what this whole section of the book is doing that I'm reading through right now. But yeah, investing being complicated, it's as complicated as you want it to be. Mm. Anywhere from the simplest freaking thing ever, letting somebody else do it for you, or letting a computer do it for you with Betterment, mm. to... Listenmymatters.com slash betterment. Support the show. <laughs> See, look at that. Monetize the episode. I monetize one out of every hundred episodes. Boom. <laughs> Genius. Uh, all the way to running your own empire of mobile home investing parks, getting private money and leveraging deals, you know, that kind of thing. There's a huge spectrum of complexity and simplicity, and you can kind of pick where you want to be. Uh, and like the second one goes hand in hand with it. The best investments require knowledge most people don't have. Where do you think those people got that investment knowledge? They had know. to go out and learn. They had to go and do things and make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. They and they learned it over time. Oh, are they? Oh, I guess I forgot they were born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> God, it's so cheesy. No, I, I agree with you. Um, the investing is risky part. You know, I'll lose money if I invest. And, and that, again, it the risk factor the, is a, it's a sliding scale. It's like, dude, okay, so I'm not going to invest because the market's going to crash and I'm going to lose all my money. And then, and then it's like, well, diversify, stupid, right? Like, obviously, you're not going to put everything into Apple. You're going to, you know, put it into Betterment and it'll spread across multiple, or, or you'll buy it yourself, what Vanguard buys with Vanguard and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but they'll put all, everything into one job. Right, so I think that's more risky. People are just not yeah. looking at it like that. Yeah, it's true. Because if if that's the case, if you have like twenty thousand dollars and you have one job and that's all your income, like, how dare you say that it's risky? Yeah, and I, I think it's really just an issue of lack of education. You know, mm-hmm. people like the, the whole "get a job, make money" thing is very tangible. It's very easy to understand, mm-hmm. and like. The more you learn about investing, the more you will understand that as well, and it will become less scary and less risky. You know, there's always risk with everything you do in life, but the more you know about it and the smarter decisions you make, one of the things he really drives home in this book is like the importance of using the best possible models uh, Mm. to get the best results. And that's how everything works in life. Like, you know the best way to get to work. You take that when you're driving to work because it will get you to work on time, you know, most reliably. Mm. Investing is the same way. If you can learn what the most reliable models are, then you can mitigate that risk. Uh, I mean, su- successful investors can time the market. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's interesting is, so like, um, the market's tanking right now. As of, like, when we're recording this episode, or at least last week, this year, I think the market's down like 8%, and we're only in yep. January. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so I wound up, um, I, I am recording in my new condo, and I wound up on my birthday last year, November 25th, I withdrew everything from Betterment for my down payment. Oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, after the sale and everything, I've now put everything back into Betterment. Okay. Um, but like, I, I, you know, I, I did a 401k loan, paid that back. Like, I tend to use these things like flexibly and so i pulled everything out which was kind of at the peak i got like really lucky um and now i just i sold everything blah 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 and i just put uh twenty seven thousand into betterment and it, nice. the market's down like eight percent but you uh, have a lot more in betterment than i do 
<laughs> Dude, just just like Thomas, one thousand a month. There's no reason why you can't do that. No, no, no. The reason I don't have very much in Betterment is because I put most into Vanguard. Oh, okay, so you're fine. Yeah. I'm investing sixteen fifty a month. Good, good. Well, okay, I'm investing sixteen fifty a month, and then I'm investing another one thousand a month to my uh, simple. Oh, sweet. So it's twenty six fifty a month, but yeah, I only do one fifty to Betterment. But dude, here's the thing: is like, so I whatever I. I in this like limited scenario of like I, I, my money like literally hit Betterment yesterday, and so I t- kind of sold at like a peakish, and I bought at the bottom. But I don't know, dude. It could we could lose another twenty percent in the market in the next week. Right? Yeah, and it was like, wow, Andrew was like a super sucker. He basically bought it almost <laughs> the top. And then the thing is, it doesn't matter because you know I'm not going to use it until like seven years from now. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea what's going to happen. And like, so. yeah, if you're investing, so you're buying like real estate. Like which Laura and I are super interested in. I think you're super interested in. Like, it's such like a long term thing. You can It's crazy to to worry about timing it. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We've talked about dollar cost averaging. Mm. You know, a zillion times. You don't have to time it to get a return. And then all this one's this one's like the dumbest one to me. All the good investments. I'm sorry. Are- am I like beating a dead horse with these things? It's like I don't know. Because I, I know they're like, there are new people listening, and yeah, I don't know. I, it's Just be like, Andrew, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this last one, all the good investments are taken. Uh, I think like, I think a lot of people on the surface believe this, mm-hmm. because like, I, maybe they see it as like a pie, and all the sizes are already divided up. But like, 10 years ago, the concept of Instagram wasn't even a thing. Right. Like an app on your phone where you look at people's pictures and that that sold for a, th- a billion dollars. So there's always going to be more value created because people are always going to want more stuff. So there will literally never be a lack of investments. There will only ever be the difficulty of finding them. You know, that's true because Apple is like the world's like largest company at this point. Right. But what was it like seven years ago before the iPhone? Yeah. They were like not even a thing. They had the iPod, which was like a cool gadget. And yeah. out of nowhere, they became the world's largest company. I mean, yeah, I mean, things will happen in the world. New technologies will combine together. New things will come about. There will always be another investment out there. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think if people want to like dig more into it, he, he goes over each of these myths in detail in the book. Really, my main idea in this this episode was like, it's okay to make more money. And in fact, I think it is advisable to take the mindset of I should make more money. I should think of what's possible, what I may need in the future instead of here's what I need right now. I only need to, you know, I only need to make that much. I'm happy with what I have. And I, I'm not saying that you need to compromise your values and, you know, compromise the, the time you put into your other interests right now. You need to live only for money. But just, I think that just switching that mindset over what's possible instead of what's needed and see what decisions that leads you to making. Dude, what, what are the action steps? It's like, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of a mellow podcast. I think I'm talking a little bit lower than I usually do. Cause when it's like my room echoes and shit, but like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, what do you do? Like, I, I think like people will generally agree with us. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I maybe if you take this mindset, maybe that will like boost your motivation to uh, pursue a promotion at work. You know, or start investing or start learning a little bit about um, more lucrative investments that require a little bit more of your time. Like that's 
I don't know what it's going to look like for anybody, but I can tell you what it's doing for me is when I started this podcast with you, I was like, I want to do Listen Money Matters because I was a fan of Listen Money Matters and I don't want it to die, but I'm pretty much going to just throw all my money at Vanguard and let them take care of it for the rest of my life mm. because I don't care about it and I want to do other things with my time. And now like doing these episodes with Clayton and doing the episode with Jefferson, like I'm starting to look more seriously at these like real estate investing and types of investing that require more of my time and my knowledge because I want to take a more active role in creating wealth for myself instead of just shoving it off to, for someone else to do it for me because I don't care about my money and I can live off what I need now. I want to take a more active role in I'm going to build something more substantial because then it can react in the future when it needs to, to uh, you know, a negative need, somebody needing care or a positive need. I can, I can contribute to my community or I can take a giant trip that I didn't know I wanted to take. You know, and I, I see it as like kind of um, like you're, you're you're stacking like uh, you see we've built the base right like you have money saved in Vanguard that you can now like put to use yeah right? and like I think that or I would imagine that if you got a rental property uh, you wouldn't clean yourself out and then have nothing and then next month like you're you go broke because like it just all doesn't work like yeah. you kind of like you have your base you have your Vanguard investments and stuff like that. And that's going right. to go forever. And then you put another piece, like you slowly add components. Yeah, it's slowly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like flip the mindset switch. Okay. Time to clean up my Vanguard and go all in on something I don't really know about. But mm. the first step for me is I'm reading this book. You know, a year ago, I would have never read a book on real estate investing. I would have been like, investing isn't for me. Vanguard can do it. 7% returns historically. They can take care of that. I'm going to go read a book on uh, productivity or something, mm. you know? And now it's like, well, no, I can actually kind of take on the, this mindset of being an investor and really learn about how I can utilize my money most efficiently. And it doesn't have to take up all my time and swallow up my other interests. You know, I'm still going to practice every day. I'm still doing my career. I'm still playing games with my friends every night, but I'm investing a little bit of time into learning how I can invest my money more actively and more efficiently. You know, it's interesting. So Laura and I, I've had the conversation and we've agreed at this point that we're going to uh, look lightly, uh, but we're probably going to, anyways, we're, we're not like taking immediate action because we like just bought a home. We're going to let our like everything settle um, and we're going to kind of be strategic about it. But we were looking at prices of places and areas and around us, like we would never be able to buy something, but uh, over by you. There are some killer priced things and multifamily homes, which I'm especially excited about. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the thing is, is like you live there and you know the area. So you could probably invest because you earn a salary that is outsized to your location. You could probably invest around where you live in places yeah. that you know and do much better than someone like me who's going to try and do that but I'm going to do it over the internet, visit once, and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's what my friends are doing. You know, they just started their uh, real estate investing company. It was funny because, like, I thought that, oh, they're just a bunch of kids who are just out of college starting a real estate investing company, you know, with very little experience. It's like, that's No, stupid. it turns out, like, they've been doing this stuff since high school, and there was, like, oh. a real estate investing club in college. Like, they had bought properties, and they already have, like, four or five properties, and they're 
setting up meetings all around town with like all these investors. Like it's pretty cool actually to see what they're doing. Um, I went around town with them last Saturday and we're like looking at the properties and looking at buying and stuff. It's like, they're kind of all in on it. It's pretty cool to see. And what kind of things are they buying? Like, so I think they're built, they're buying, uh, single family homes right now. And then like one idea they had was like building a bigger, like a, like a multifamily house or like multi-person house. Uh, they're like, we're not building, like getting a big building or something or getting like a big house. And like, yeah, they don't really know exactly how it's going to come together, but it's, I mean, they're just, they're doing it. It's cool. And it's like, that was something that I would have been like, nope, that's impossible. Way too risky. Would never do that. Keep my money in the mutual fund, you know, a year ago. And now it's like, I'm not going to go completely, you know, jump feet first into it like they are because I've already got my own career, but I'm legitimately thinking about how can I start to move into this world a little bit. So obviously the book um, is a real estate investing book, right? Yeah. So he, he's proposing real estate. I mean, are yeah, the, the book is all about real estate investing. I mean, I, I'm not far enough into it to even really get into the real estate part. I'm like, an eighth of the way into the book so far. And I would say like this, this first, like almost quarter of the book probably is more mindset game. And it's probably ap- uh, applicable to any kind of wealth building. And then it's going to get more into the, the detailed stuff after that. So, okay. So here's the thing is like, um, and I, we're gonna have to pick your brain on it as you go through. Cause none of us will have to read it. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, like, dude, that's like one avenue, right? And I think that there are some people that are like, do you know James Altucher? Uh, I know of him. I don't know him personally. So, so yeah, he has like this whole rant. He's like, he's like, never college. He hates college and he's a kid yeah. never go. And, and he's all like, which is like totally yeah, <laughs> like, but, and he's also um, anti uh, property and buying stuff. Like he would, he's just like hates buying property. He would never buy a home or a rental yeah. home or whatever. It's just, he he that's him right yep. so what can he put his money into uh i think if he's gonna invest in businesses right true so you know angel investing or i don't i don't know there's all kinds of stuff i mean we talked about that crowdfunded big property investing startup we had oh, the fundrise. podcast logo fundrise yeah dude fundrise is, do you get the emails from fundrise uh-uh. oh my god dude they're killing it they're killing Hi. it Oh, yeah, they they cool. created a fund that they needed like a million dollars in investment for, and they okay. were like not sure if they'd be able to do it. They oversubscribed in hours, and mm-hmm. since then have done many more multi. And they're basically buying like commercial real estate, carving it up into small chunks. It's it's like literally, I, I and if uh, I mean if you see like how they're doing it, and it's like the lending club for commercial real estate. It's very interesting. Huh. Okay, and I mean there's. Instavest, you know, there's individual stocks. There's, there's any number of avenues, mm. you know, and we can get more into that in future episodes. We can get guests on here talking about more active investments. I think we have beat the dead horse over and over again about yes. passive investing. People mm. can go back and listen to those. And I obviously we still recommend that should be your base. Well, I you think know? the thing is like we covered it. Not a lot of people actually start from the beginning and go through. And I think there's like a nice progression of like as we've gotten Seems more like they do. Wait, what? Every time I like read reviews on iTunes, they're like, Matt and Andrew are awesome. And I'm like, yep, they're still they're still on the original episode. <laughs> when are you gonna get to me? <laughs> well, I actually just put back up a few episodes that I took down. 
So well, when oh, we yeah. start getting emails like, "God, why did Thomas buy that car?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> I still like my car. Those guys can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, we'll get we'll get more into that kind of stuff in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Really, this episode for me was about the mindset change. So, and I hope I hope we covered it well. I, I think we did. Um, and you have like three quotes at the bottom and then maybe definitely read the last one last oh yeah but like, i think i talked about the, the first quote we talked about like financial wealth building doesn't happen in a reaction mode right, right like that should be the impetus to changing your mindset here it's like the insurance example i cannot predict what i will need in the future so i'm going to position myself to be able to handle it whatever it is so okay the next one oh the last one's awesome i'll let you read that one okay so but the, yeah, then, the one oh, yeah, before that more money just makes you more of what you already are. Yeah. I love that, dude. I think I that's- love it too. Yeah. And he had, so he had like this kind of example conversation in the book because like the, ori- the original thing was like, Oh, you know, getting more money will just make me a greedy person, like greedy asshole. It's like, well, what would you do if you had a lot of money? Well, I, I guess there's like this community center in my town that I could renovate and, you know, I could donate to a charity I'm really into. And it's like, yeah, see, you're, you're you're considering making more money and you're automatically going to noble pursuits. More money's not gonna turn you into an asshole unless you're already an asshole. It's like that that old joke. It's like cocaine makes you more of an asshole or it amplifies your personality. What if you're an asshole? (laughs) 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 Money amplifies your personality. Dude, so the more money makes you more of what you already are. Like you've been doing good and I'm I'm looking at you and behind you you have this like awesome lighting set up you have this like tripod i know you've been improving uh like your um the like the camera and like all the pieces of your craft and so you could just be more of a nerd doing more and better things <laughs> that you do and it's like uh it's it's enabling that right because the first camera you bought was fine you didn't you could have did use that forever right but yeah but i wanted to be better yeah constantly improve and ah, damn, there was, oh, ah, I forgot the other one. Anyway. The last quote? No, 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 you should read, yeah, you read the last quote. Okay, so. Oh, no, wait, quote. I do remember, I do remember. Oh, okay, go ahead. Just real quick side tangent, I got an email this morning, and some uh, superintendent of a school in Michigan, he's like, hey, can I pay you money to uh, broadcast Listen Money Matters on our radio? And I was like, this is the cool, I mean, and I, I visited his website and I it's like, I may have gotten the same email. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe cause he knows you're part of it as well. Or I think, uh, yeah, I think I got the same email from the same guy. Oh, college and college stuff. Dude. Mm-hmm. And so first of Michigan. all, yeah, he, he's a super, super nice guy. And I, I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't, he's a superintendent of a school. And I, I've said to Laura, like, that I would love to one time just like build curriculums for high school students. Like I feel like the problem starts that personal finance isn't taught in like high schools. Yeah. That's like episode three or something of the show and the, the, the opportunity to build it. So I was like, no dude, like broadcast. I'm just like linked to us. Like just, you know, if yeah. you want to find more yeah, and that's like, exactly what I'm going to tell him. I mean, ideally every parent would be like Adam Carroll. Just, no. I'm serious. We wouldn't have to teach it in high school. It's like the but... kid the kids listen to the ones that were like cursing and drinking beer and idiots. <laughs> and then uh the parents listen to Adam Carroll, so you know <laughs> the responsible episodes. Yeah, there we go. 
So that last quote mm. uh, in the book, he says, some passions pay more than others, but as history indicates, they rarely pay enough to create financial independence. Your job is your job. Financial wealth is something else. You know, and I'm sure we could nitpick that quote to the ends of the earth. Some jobs may, uh, if you are, you know, if you manage your expenses well, they may be able to provide a living for you, you know, in retirement if you make that much money. But I think he's got a point that you should think of your job as a way to fund the creation of the investment that will that will support you for your life hmm. not as the sole funding source for you you know put your put your money to work use your job as a resource generation you know method to create the money and then put that money to work part of it at least whether you create a business or not treat your finances like a business yeah do you, what's your profit margin? 30%? That means 30% goes towards your, your long-term wealth building, investments, and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a game, you know? Mm. You have the Monopoly money. Like, I mean, Monopoly, it's funny. Actually, there's some interesting history behind Monopoly. And the original intent of the game was like the opposite of what it is now. What, what do you mean? Uh, I think Monopoly was de- designed by like this socialist lady and it was like kind of designed to teach the evils of greed and stuff. <laughs> and it totally got like, just totally turned 180. So, um, everyone I know, hates it was, yeah, it's a cool video. I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes or I'll send it to you and hopefully we'll get it linked in the show notes. Um, it's like, there's like this PBS digital games channel on YouTube and he kind of like goes over the history of Monopoly and explains like, why do people think Monopoly is such a terrible game? Oh, well, because a lot of these rules were changed. And in the beginning, it was much different and better. It's even more brutal. Like, well, okay. One of the big things, like, there wasn't hotels. It was just the four houses, and they were limited. So, like, you couldn't just cash all the four houses in to get hotels, and then fill the entire board up with horrible. So basically, like, one person builds up quickly and dem- like destroys everyone else. I think so. Yeah, I think it was a much quicker game back then. Uh, and there, there are other differences. I'll have to rewatch the video to remember it, but. My point here was you don't pass go collect your $200 and just live off that. Like the point of the game is to utilize that $200 to make more money through investments. And like, that's how you win. Mm. So I'm not going to take my $200 I get every month and just live off of it. I'm going to use some of it to build. Invest in real estate because Monopoly. <laughs> because Monopoly. <laughs> yes. If you find a street on your town named Baltic Avenue, buy, that buy, <laughs> buy the entire street. There you go. <laughs> that's right. At least you buy should. the sign. Get a top hat and grow a mustache. Wear a tux. Oh my god, dude! When I become a super wealthy magistrate, I'm going to pay wherever I'm living to change my street to Baltic Avenue. When I become a, a silver thimble hopping around. That's right. Yeah, I'm just wearing a silver <laughs> thimble on my head and just yell at people. I always pick the thimble because uh, it's like the lamest piece. Yeah, true. When I was a kid, like all the kids would like go for the car, go for the horse, and I'm just like. Mm. Screw that. I'm not going to be part of this. I'm taking the thimble. I always went for the car. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so telling. All right, man. Uh, I got to head out to my class. So yeah, dude. we're going to wrap this episode up. Mm. Um, questions, rants, whatever. Listen, money matters at gmail.com or you can leave a review on iTunes if you haven't. Uh, or if you want to join our community, you can go over to listenmoneymatters.com slash join. We have a community of money nerds. We're debating stuff all the time, and we would love to have you in that group as well. Otherwise, uh, listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find our favorite resources, and that's all we got. So thanks for hanging out, and Andrew, I will see you in the next episode. Later, man. Later, dude.
Please tell your friends about this show. Thank <laughs> you.